0: Warning! The following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of AJ Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit.
1: It's finally here. We are here. Total Impact, our debut show for all things that is TMA. I am your host, the corporate dog Eric Draven, the king, king of General Wall Street, and thank you for the debut show, TNA Total Impact. I'm standing aside by my host. So, you know what? Introduce yourself, brother. This is your host for all things from AJ Orsini, and just like my co-host just said, you can only catch us on the People Who Know Good Wrestling Radio Network. Yeah, we are here, fans. Finally here. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Orsini's
0: Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Hi! How the hell is everybody out there? This is your boy, the main man, the Josh Soul Brother from Another Mother. This is your host. Of sense uncensored mind, I am AJ CD, and I am hoping that episode 157 right now, which I am bequeathing unto all of you, sounds a hell of a lot clearer than whatever the fuck that was at the beginning of this show just now. That was audio that was taken directly uh, from Blog Talk Radio when I began many years ago my uh, podcasting career, so to speak. Uh, It was a wrestling show that related or or revolved around TNA wrestling at the time, and I was but a mere co-host. The main host of the show was a gentleman by the name who went by Eric Draven, who has metamorphosized today as Eric Jaden, and he has played such an amazing role, not only in my career, but in my life since the beginning of this. We're going on 10 years now, and I have been talking to this guy since before I started the podcast. Day one, when I put this whole thing together, I was like, you know I have to have you on the show. And he agreed, and shit happened, life happened, and we never got it together, but today is the lucky day. We've got the sun shining, the weather's great, the birds are chirping, and life is good in the house of O, because here for episode 157 is the man himself. He is finally here, the leader of the Setsujin squad, multiple-time heavyweight champion all across the New York area here. The guy has had one hell of a career, and not only are we here to talk about that, but all of pro wrestling. I'm here with the original host of Total Impact, Eric Jaden. Eric, what's up, brother?
1: Oh, my God. You know what? I want to sing right now. I (laughs) I have a song for you, Okay, you got to sing. I feel like singing. It's a great classical song. It goes like this. Reunited oh, and it, it feels, feels so good. Right. Yeah. We're back. We are back. Woo. woo. That's the original opening. <laughs> woo,
0: we're back, baby. Woo. Uh, yeah, we have we tried. Are back. We've tried how many times now yeah. to get this shit going. Um, originally, when I got this podcast together, I was doing in-person interviews. Because uh, I was nervous Heck. about how the audio – and, and people will ask me, oh, you know, it's so much easier to do it over the phone or through Skype. Eric, our show is the reason I was so terrified to do the audio <laughs> versions because that audio that you guys just heard, it was being ran through someone else's server. And Eric mm-hmm. and I were both on cell phones in different locations and what you just heard is the react is is the result of that. I didn't want that for my show. I wanted a much clearer, much more comprehensive sounding show. So that was the fear that I had. Obviously, my technology has picked up. Everything is sounding great. I sound great right now. You're on your phone, but you sound fantastical right now. Awesome. So now everything awesome. is going to be great. Everything is good. So I'm glad that at least remotely we've been able to hook up today and I'm happy I'm I'm beyond happy to have you here today, brother.
1: I'm excited, man. It's been a while. I've seen the, the growth of AJ Orsini When you first started, like you said, we were, we were doing shows from, you know, from our phones to somebody else who was hosting it a third party to where we gone from, from back in the days of Ludus yeah. oh, and, yeah. and, and, <laughs> yeah, and fighting spirit wrestling and Brooklyn and all that mess. And, the and all of a sudden now we're here. But
0: together yeah we're, we're, we always seem to find each other through the storm no matter what mm-hmm. happens the two of us always manage to get together and i'm beyond happy to have you here bro and one of the things there's so many things i was telling you before we got on the air i've been literally waiting 157 weeks in a row to <laughs> to have you on this show and i only got but so much time so here's So here's the deal. I want to start off right away. You mentioned a few things about our history already, and we've been very vague, but let's begin the storytelling. Let's go ahead and and, and talk about this. Uh, I want to start with a fun fact about you. Very few people know this, uh, and not for Mm -hmm. lack of trying, but you, the first time I met you, you had already began your career before I came into the fold. You are a graduate of the Dog House, one of the most infamous infamous training facilities in the uh, In the New York area back in the day. But when I met you, you were a manager. You were the Mm -hmm. manager of a particular someone of legendary status. I don't know if people know this about you, but you were once the mouthpiece, believe it or not. Yeah, uh, and the manager of the franchise, Shane Douglas, when he was a performer here in New York for Fighting Spirit Wrestling. That was the first time you and I met. I was this young, handsome, virile, up-and-coming announcer, and you were talking for the man. What was that experience like, you talking and working a, with
1: Shane? Yeah, that was actually a great experience. I mean, working with franchise, I mean, we got to work with him, uh, a program, I got a, to work a program with him with Fighting Spirit Wrestling, uh, the man is a world, like a wealth of knowledge, let's just to say yeah. that much. You know, he's been through through the territorial days, you know, through the companies. He's been through the politics in the back. So he shared so much with me. And being the mouthpiece, being able to come out with the franchise, a man who took the NWA title and threw it on the floor, he on the mat.
2: The <laughs> okay?
1: Which like he, he still brags about to and it was just absolutely great. It was fun time. And, you know, I remember that's when we met up. Uh, I, you, you know what? The funny part is when you mentioned that, I, I pictured you. You were about, I'm going to say maybe 15, 20 pounds lighter, right? Oh, yeah. But you oh, always had felt. that, that grace persona to you. That's what I loved. you. You just, you always came through. Anytime we would film promos or we did the intros or whatever it was, you or Sini, you always stood out to me and I loved it. I knew from day one, I said, This guy has it and he's going to become very big. And look at now, well, you, got, you got thousands of followers all over the world, which I love it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I have to admit, and I think that's one of, the, one of the reasons why you and I have remained friends for so long. I, I walked, first time I ever walked into the gym, because before FSW, I was just some guy in the business, to be honest with you. I was just some guy, and I walked into the gym, and there's Shane Douglas, there's Tony Mamaluke, there's Homicide, there's some big Mm -hmm. names, and I'm just some guy. And they hand me a microphone, and they're like, yeah, you're going to be interviewing all these people. And I'm like, holy shit. But the first guy you got, they said, hey, look, we need you to do it with Eric first. So I was like, all right. And we clicked moment one. Moment one, we locked in your heel persona and my... Ability to be a chicken shit announcer at the time, anyway. <laughs> I start. I tried to start off as the chicken shit announcer at first. I was goofy and all kind. Of, I, I, yeah. I, I've been. I'm far. I'm too far along now to play that role. But at the time, it really worked out well for us, especially for you. You're such a v- mm-hmm. uh, vermos, just outrageous kind of just really hyperverbal type of speaker when you're on the microphone. And we're gonna talk about your promos a little later on because yes. that's a big, big, big part of who Eric Jaden is. But Sticking to the beginning part, you and I clicked pretty much from the get. Uh, yes. I wanted to ask you because I don't think I got a chance to talk to you about it at the time, so it always kind of was a question mm-hmm. I had in my head. How uh, how was it to work with a guy who can very easily speak for himself? Was he was he game for this? Was he okay with this? Or was he very giving to you as far as how much time you were given to speak for him?
1: It, it, it was obviously it was difficult for me at first to like to like comprehend everything. Cause when they put us together and I'm thinking to myself, this guy could cut a promo in his sleep,
2: right. you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, what man. do you
1: need? You know, me, as a mouthpiece. So, you know, it, 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 the whole storyline was, you know, me going in at the time as Eric Draven, the corporate thug, you know, and having my stable and my main guy have, you know, which should be the franchise Jane Douglas on there. And you know, when we went out or oh, we ever, I ever had to talk, he would just give me key points. What's to hit? Right. And I tell you, the guy's a wealth of knowledge. He used to say, hey, talk about this, hit this, hit this, and that's it. And I follow his instructions, and, you know, it was a hit. Uh, I'll never forget that time there. I mean, uh, sometimes I like to forget the time there <laughs> because of all the nonsense that, it went, you know, that, that pre- precluded with that. But right. I still take that time as a very learning moment in my, you know, as, you know, what, that, that helped shape me, right. you know, help, you know, motivate me more and push me more to what I later became
0: absolutely I always look at that time yeah, as uh, yeah. that was my learning I, when I, when, I, when I first started this podcast I I wanted to inform people. I said, like, I, you know, when you hear my opinions, they're being formed mm-hmm. by the people who taught me how to be in this business. Guys like Shane, guys like Tony, guys like D. You know, and it was after that when we started doing shows. When Chavo would come around, and all these other yeah. different athletes—not just for FSW, but you and I—would then travel outside of FSW, mm-hmm. and we're hitting the road, and we're working all these companies, and you and I. Are sharing locker rooms with Sabu, and, and we're sharing uh, rings with Mick Foley and all these different people coming wow. in. We, 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 these are where, you know, you and I really took the sketch pad out and wrote down the notes and, and studied. We, yes. we studied from the best, and uh, that's pretty much how we got to where we are now. And you are this uh, – when I met you, you were a manager, but at the same time you were still performing. Uh, we had these yes. student shows that where you would still perform. You were in a tag team. The Disrespectfuls, uh-huh. one of my favorite yes. tag teams, because uh, the heat. Oh, dear Lord, the heat. Uh, <laughs> between the two of The me, heat was big. The heat was huge. I uh, had a hard yeah. time getting to the train station after those shows. But it was, especially with those fucking water bottles, when you would just fucking toss those bottles across the fucking closet that we performed in, and it would just <laughs> splash off and hit everybody uh yeah. you always you spoke so well uh you still do today i'm not trying to say that you don't you, you spoke even then so well and and you always to me seemed torn between the two when you were managing did you always have it in your head yeah this is something i'm doing now but i really want to focus on being a performer which one had more weight the manager or the wrestler in you
1: now the wrestler definitely had more on it on it because when i did the disrespectfuls with bobby c that was the you know the the mood student shows and it was uh it was great, you know, just performing out there. And that's, that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be that performer. I wanted to be that entertainer. See, to me, the fans matter. Okay. And without the fans, there is no us, you know, without the fans, there's no, us, you know? there's, no there's no you know, there's no nothing. And my, and I always put the value that in every seat somebody paid a certain amount of money, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks. And I made sure that, at the end of the day, when I went there and performed, they got their money's worth. I wanted to make sure that when I performed, they either loved me, hate me, or wanted to come back next month to see me get my ass whipped, which basically that's majority of the time. That's the story and, of
0: your life,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the story people, of the time. People pay you know, money to see goal. you get
0: your ass kicked. Yes, that's your life. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And, I, and, and, I, and I loved it. And I, see, I did. I loved playing the bad guy. It came natural to me. And I learned. You know, I, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, and I watch and I learn and I fixed this. And, and throughout, you know, I got people who gave me great advice. And, you know, even to this day, you sometimes I think back and say, wow, I was, I've been in the ring with legends. I've been yeah. in the ring with I saw Jim Duggett, Tito Santana, the Nasty Boys, the Rock, Ooh, the and, Roll kid, Valentine, the Rock and Roll Express. And sometimes I stop and say, holy crap. Where? Why? I, I can't believe I got all this done. Sometimes I feel like I didn't deserve this, but you know what, Oshini? I looked back, and like you said, I was that type of guy just like you. I took out the notepad. I took the notes. I made mental notes. I went back. I studied tape. Okay, it's no longer tape. It's by now it's freaking daunting. things network, but I studied <laughs> yeah. tape. And, well, I, I, studied made, and I made an effort to improve myself. And that's yeah. what I, unfortunately, I, I see that lacking now. You know, with the talent. I see that lacking a lot with a lot of guys who are up and coming right now. And I know we're going to get into this because I'm yeah. feeling fight to you, Shini. I feel, I'm, I'm, I'm biting right now at the bit to get on some stuff. I, I know. I don't gonna, see this.
0: We're going to unleash it. I got a response yeah. to yeah. that too, but we're going to unleash yeah. all that. But I, I would still like to tell a little bit more of the Eric Jordan sure. story here because uh, I, I asked you that question about the wrestler or the manager specifically because – There was a vast improvement. Um, You and I, not to pull the curtain back too long, but when you were a part of that tag team, there was something scratching. There was something crawling inside of you, and there was something on your mind where you were just like, I want to try this, and I want to try this for real. There was something. I think those were the exact words, as a matter of fact, where it's just like, I can't retire knowing I didn't try. It was a piece. Yep. It was a piece there that way. We talked two, three o'clock in the morning on shit like that, and then I think mm-hmm. it was a few weeks after the fact. Bing, bang, boom. The turn was made, and Eric Jaden was born. Talk, talk to me about the transition from Eric Draven to Eric Jaden. Yeah.
1: Now, when I when some uh, it was actually Earl Cooter. Okay, at the time from from FTW, he's now Brian Idol. Yes. He had you know he I was wrestling for FTW also, and he. He just messaged me and said, do me a favor and Google Eric Draven. I said, okay. okay. You know, and who got pops up? The crow. Okay? Hmm. Brandon yes. Lee. And he goes, how do you build your brand on somebody else's name and you cannot pop up? And that just stuck to me. And he said, you know what? This guy's absolutely correct. So from there on, I had a bunch of names, you know, Eric Hunter. Jaden black a whole bunch of stuff and I and I remember one guy it was from uh, too good Ace Andrews, all right, he, all right. he had recommended Jaden, you know, he was one close of the coaches of Jaden and then you know just, It just clicked Eric Jaden now How did I want it? You know, I wanted to stand out and I remember you're like my wrestling godfather I used to always call you, you know, and yeah. say what should I do? Yeah run this by you and that and I you know And I, I just started thinking that's like what what's out there right now? I looked around and what's, you know, what gimmicks out there and what's lacking. And I put two and two together and I came up with Eric Jaden. I came up with the definition of authority and sexiness. And that came, that actual name came from a fan, a fan who should always you know say that, you know, doing my postings kind of stole that from the fan okay. and then added it to my gimmick. And I just, from there, I, it just took off. And I had to thank like guys like, like, you know, I have to thank the BWF, I have to thank LAW and BC, uh, BCW because they gave me that creative freedom to build Eric Jaden, Eric Jaden was a work in progress. It was always, you know, what do I do? Yeah. And it came from wearing from wearing tights and fuzzy boots to wearing kick pads and trunks and the furry gear to masks all the way up to where we're gonna, you know, we're gonna talk about eventually it's that fusion on there. So there's been many evolutions of Eric Jaden, and this being a business, okay? We know this. This is a natural business. When I started to treat it as a business. That's when I started to improve more and more and more and I didn't want to stop there because what I see that's lacking a lot in the, in the wrestling world, especially in independence is guys fail to evolve. You have mm-hmm. to evolve. You have to evolve your character. You got to keep it fresh. You got to keep the content fresh. That's why I threw out all the different promos, all the different, uh, all the different uh, types of uh, gear that I wore. I picked up the same persona, the anime same persona. When I call started calling myself the sexy saying, on there. And I just started to work on my body and I started to work on my training and everything fell into place. or she pretty much, if you put in the hard work and you study and you treat this as a business, you know, success is around the corner.
0: Yeah, what's the old saying? There's no shortcut to that shit. You gotta do it. Like there's, if you really Not at all. If you really wanna fucking attain it. That's why I tell people on the show all the time, I'll never be a WWE superstar. Not because I don't have the ability to do it, but because I don't have what's in me to sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed to achieve that. You have to be there's a piece of you as a performer that has to be willing to be so tunnel visioned. And so focused in at what you're doing because you have to be. To beat out everybody else who's gunning for the same spot as you, you have to Mm -hmm. be locked in. And it's it's, it's a very, very hard and difficult thing to do. Let's talk a little bit about opportunity because, like you just mentioned a second ago, a few companies gave you the opportunity and the time to Mm -hmm. find who Eric Jaden truly was. Now, we'll skip ahead. And once you started clicking and finding it, we started realizing uh, this version of Eric is a little raunchier than the other version of Eric that we were getting. Uh, Was it a situation of I just want to push as far as I can to see what it is? Like, where is that line? Was there something in you that was I'm just going to keep pushing until someone officially tells me? Okay, this is too fucking far for you to be going because you were just one thing to the next thing—the Joey Ryan match. Then there was mm-hmm. there's a whole litany of things that you've been through. What was your thought process about how far you were willing to take this gimmick?
1: You know, it it if you don't try, you will know, you will never know you fail. So that was my that was like 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 my model. I said if I don't try this. I don't see how it goes. You know what I'm saying? I'm always going to be kicking myself in the ass and, the, you know, and say, oh, I should have done that. Mm-hmm. So I always push the limit. I always push it more and further. You know, going with the match with Stan Styles, which was the sexy sane, uh match that we had on there, which yes. was crazy in itself, you know, to wrestling Joy Ryan, you know, just to, to, to push the envelope. It's just, you know, a lot of people don't, are not willing to do that. And mind you, I took a lot of criticism from it. Well, uh, guys not, today not, in particular have a yeah. hard time doing
0: it because of the whole, a lot of these companies, even the indie companies now, feel very PG. They're very afraid yes. to go to that next level because they're afraid they're going to lose the tickets that they do get uh, from the people. You you were not afraid to go to the next level, and you were fortunate enough to work with companies that were signing off on the shit you were doing.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, the, like, like time, my time at BWF, I, it was more of a, a, a time where I could say it re- I was shaping Eric Jaden. And again, they gave me the latitude on there. And then when I went to work at the same time with LAW, with Legendary Action Wrestling, they also, Frankie Flo was the head promoter and booker there. He would give me the criticism, like don't do this, try this, try that on there. And then ultimately with BCW, where uh, he wanted to push. He wanted to have kind of a Shawn Michaels-type character in the mid to upper card level that, you know, they can always go to, like a company guy, because I've been there since day one, since the doors opened open right. with uh, Brie Wrestling. So he, the, promote, uh, the promoter there, the owner, Anthony Cole, let me do this stuff. I will run out you know, I will run the ideas by him and he would love them. He, I mean there was outlandish ideas. Trust me. And he was like he was he, he was like, this is great. And I was I'm looking at him while oh, he actually thinks this is great. I thought yeah. he was gonna shoot me down, water my ideas. I,
0: I love Anthony Cole because when you pitch, <laughs> you can get a sense right away whether he likes it or not. Because if, if he's he, he's not really on it. But when you pitch something strong and he, he starts giving you that laugh, and he's like, <laughs> and he's just like, go for it, yep. man. <laughs>
1: yep. That's exactly. It. And that's when I always knew I was golden because when he laughed first, yeah. he was, I said, okay, he liked it Once off he, the bat. It yeah, it's good. You're in. You no, know, you're right. Yeah, you're in like Flynn. And, you know, he, he is a big anime fan you know, and oh, okay. when, when I told them about, you know, I said, Hey, how do we continue to build Eric Jaden? And I told him, I told him I had this sexy sane idea and he's like, go with it. And it's just, you know I'm saying? It's great to have the promotions behind you and give Absolutely, you that, that yeah. push because without them, obviously I couldn't, I wouldn't have the platform to perform the art that I, you know, that I put out there, my performances. So he was very instrumental, and then I also had to name ECP, 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 ECP PW, Excuse me, East Coast Professional Wrestling, because he was also very instrumental in teaching me how to wrestle in old school style. Because I always loved old school wrestling, yeah. And he would give me and put who me with who is he all the Are you
0: referring to, Gino?
1: Yeah. Referred to Gino's promotion yes. and he put me in there. And I further learned because again, you being in the ring with guys like we mentioned before, like the Duggins and the Tannins and the Nasty oh, yeah. Boys stuff like that. I got to learn more. I got to learn, be in the ring with legends. I learned, I learned how to work a legend because a lot of people don't know this. Like if they put you with a legend, you're not going to be one of these guys that are going to get all your shit in. You do what the legend tells you you're going to do or what <laughs> yeah. he allows you to do to him. <laughs> Yeah. Here's yeah. You're not gonna do 360, gonna go, 360 degrees. Yeah. You're not gonna do 360 degrees, fucking false splashes and all this other thing. That's not happening on there. So I learned how to work old school, also at the same time, and I got to wrestle these legends, which furthermore added value to my character, and it just continued to grow from there. And, and you know, I, I have to say, I, I've been very blessed so far with having promotions allow me hey i've been there's been times i've been in trouble you know like i some of my acts, some of the new acts that i've done that got me into trouble but i learned if i never tried it at first or i would never learn not to do it or when to do it or when it was the appropriate time to do it
0: absolutely yeah uh, a little yeah. surprise tidbit for you guess who's under the Geno learning tree as we speak Ooh. ooh. the big man race
1: Oh, he is. Nice. nice. All right. I didn't know we've, that. Uh, we have to race. We've, we've been
0: to the gym a few times over there at ECPW. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've been utilizing the open gym. But, you know, Gino sees a little something in him. He's been giving him a few tidbits here and there. So hopefully, I'm trying to get him to work big man, old school big man. Uh,
1: you, know, you know, that's the way to go. That's <laughs> the way to go with him. If not want to save your back, yeah. you
0: better learn how to do it like a fucking old school big man, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're a big guy in this business, yeah, you have no no business bumping for little guys, drop kicking you or stuff like that. You got to work old school, big man. You know that's how you get over the character. If you're a big dude, you work old school, big. You know Absolutely. it doesn't again. Let me but you know fight he's athletic, let me, let me and he
0: tries. <laughs> you know he tries a lot to do a lot of things. That I'm trying as his manager now that I'm managing him. I'm trying to get him in tune with the idea of you know when and how to bump which is something mm-hmm. that cuz he's always been so giving of his body and I said well that's why you're in this position now um <laughs> he 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 slightly skated away from uh surgery but he's doing well he's training he's Go getting ahead. fit he's dropping weight we're going to be killers in 2021 brother
1: so, oh, I love it. I love it. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> so let's get back to what we're talking about here. You you pushed the envelope. You said to yourself you got in trouble a few times, but you you mm-hmm. learned from the experience. You're 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 an older gentleman. So when it comes yes. to the in ring, you mentioned earlier I started working on my body. What yes. are your goals? When you try to, when you say things like "I was working on my body," are you working on your body for aesthetics? Are you trying to kick up a more physical style inside the ring? Are you more gimmick focused? Yeah. What what does that entail?
1: Working on my body was a total. It, it was a, when I say to, a total body workout. Basically, it was also not only my body but my soul and my mind. You know, and I wanted to look and work the part. Here's another thing that I hate in this current, you know, with the current product. I see a lot of guys out there that should not be in the ring. Okay. It doesn't matter how many moves you can do, stuff like that. Aesthetically, okay, a lot of guys just really do not look like they're what they present to be. And I had to make sure that when I was out there, if I'm going to present this myself to be the sexy guy, well, I got to have a nice, decent looking body. Mm-hmm. I was an older gentleman, but I was hitting the ring. I mean, excuse me, I was hitting the gym, working out. Like my workouts were two, two and a half hours easy on there. Yeah. And I started putting a very big strain on myself. And I, I didn't learn until later on when I had all these kind of injuries. I was kept working, but I had a lot of injuries. And I met a guy at a local YMCA. I was training in, in the gym. And he was a guy who pretty much consulted with older men, you know, how to work out in your thirties, how to work out in your forties, how do you work out in your fifties. And when I told him the type of workout I was involved, he said, you are crazy. You're in your forties. You're going to burn yourself out and you're not going to have any joints left. So I learned, but my thing is the gimmick. The gimmick is what sells also. How am I going to present myself out there as the sexy saying? How am I going to present myself out there as a the sexy assassin, as a warrior? I got to look the part, you know. I got to, you know. I can't go out there and look, you know, with a with a, with a big old beer belly, you know, and and you know, and 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 looking wider and shady. No, it's not going to work. No, it's not. So a lot of things is my 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 goal is always to make sure when I go out there that the parents always grasp. I want to go out to that curtain and get the people right off that. That's why I had so many gimmicks. I used to come out with the silly string. I used to come out with the mask. I used to come out with the fur. I used to come out with this and that with lights on there because it's a show at the end of the day. I have to make sure I get their attention. I keep their attention on Eric Jaden. If they're not emotionally invested in me, then I'm gonna fail basically. They're not gonna buy my merch. They're not gonna wanna come back and see me the next month. And then the company suffers from that. And that's why I try to teach a lot of guys that they'll come up to me I mean, I don't consider myself a vet, but a lot of guys who come up to me, at shows, Hey, Jenny, can you watch my match? Hey, I have some questions and I'm, I'm humbled enough. And I always tell them work on your body, work on your appearance. I don't care if you could do 360 degree runners. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me. I want to know that if your name is big man, strong, that you're going to come out from that curtain, looking like a big man, and you're going to be tearing people apart and I'm going to believe that character. And that's the thing. Everybody says K Favre is dead. K is not dead. The suspension of disbelief, that's up to us, Oshini. Yeah. We have to make sure that we give that to the fans. They have to be, if they pay their 25, 30, 40, 50 bucks, and they sit down. I have to make sure they believe that I am the sexy saint, that I am the sexy assassin. And that's another thing I feel that's missing a lot in our industry.
0: Yeah, the, the kayfabe conversation, we can have that motherfucker all goddamn day long. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I can I tell you right now, I, I've been having conversations uh, even recently with that. Uh, the, the rumor mill going around about Ricochet wanting to leave and then coming out saying, I never said that. And then Melina signed by WWE, and then Melina comes out and says, oh, I never said that. It's just, how can kayfabe <laughs> possibly be dead if you fucking people bite on every fucking thing people say? You're getting worked exactly. every day of your life, but Fabe is dead. <laughs> Stop. You don't. Nah. For as long as you're not in a locker room, and you don't know exactly what's happening. Kayfabe will always live because you do. You have to go based on the word of whatever that other freaking person is telling you. That's what Fabe is. Yes. <laughs> it's it's lying to I your agree. face and making you believe that that lie is absolute truth and reality. That's people. Yeah, and if you can't. It-
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead. ahead. No, I was gonna say is
1: yeah. That's why. That's why it's so critical. That's why I was just focusing on that appearance. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, my body. You know, yeah. I needed to look. I mean, I needed to look the part. I lost like 40 pounds. You You know, and then I gained another 10 pounds in muscle. And you know, and I just continued working on it because I needed to go out there and I needed people to believe that I can actually go out there and kick somebody's butt. Right. You know, exactly. and then that's what's like again, it goes back to missing and you know, Kate, why do you want to believe Casey is dead or not people? Suspension of disbelief when you watch us out there We need to make sure that you believe what you're seeing and if you cannot believe what you're seeing then we're not doing our job correctly
0: Yeah, it's like when people bring up the Undertaker. Well, did you really believe Taker was dead? No, I didn't actually believe he was dead But did Mark uh, give me any reason to believe that he wasn't dead? Did he roll yeah, his eyes to exactly. the back of his head? Did he dress the part? Did he look the part? Did he sound the part? Did he work the part? Absolutely. Just because I know you're not an actual warrior king from the Viking land doesn't mean that it's not your job to come out here and perform and pretend to be that. That's what storytelling exactly. is. Exactly. If Robert Downey Jr. Yep. did an Avenger movie just as Robert Downey, it wouldn't mean the fucking same. But Eddie nothing it would be it it mean would mean nothing. nothing. Exactly. It would mean nothing. Exactly. That's what, that's what acting is called. That's why it's called acting folks.
1: But Eddie Well, I'm glad you brought up. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Undertaker because he said it correctly. He is, you know, uh, the gimmick, the actual gimmick's been sacrificed by a lot of wrestlers for just spots, you know, and, and, and that doesn't, doesn't translate well. You could do a hundred spots, okay? But every single time the fans come and see you, they want to see that spot and more. So you have to continue to risk yourself more and more and more and risk potential injury by doing more and more yeah. dangerous spots because basically you just corner yourself into the corner. That's what the people are going to believe. With me, no. When I come out, they see Eric Jaden. They see the sexy saying. I sell the gimmick. The gimmick is what's over. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to kill myself. I have had matches of the night. Where I just kicked, punched, choked through a clothesline, <laughs> and used the manager gimmick, and that was it, and that was over. That was the match of the night. Right. Okay, where you had guys who were throwing themselves off the top rope to the outside, you know, potentially landing wrong, and all this other taking these high risk spots, you know, and say, not saying you cannot do them. You know, there's a spot in the card for those those type of matches. But at the end of the day, if you want to have a 20 year career. Longevity—you gotta take care of your body. How do you take care of your body? Sell so, the gimmick.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> well, people emotionally invested in the gimmick. That's why <laughs> I think we lose people, and I'm going to connect it back to the conversation yeah. we were just having a second ago when I asked yeah. you about what you were concentrating on as far as your build your body, and your answer was absolutely mm-hmm. where I was hoping you were headed because it's not. Yeah. I think. And this is just an opinion. This is just based on what I've seen being in locker rooms and being at shows. A lot of guys who mm-hmm. rely on the physical, the moves, the the, the 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 bumps to the floor, the ooh and ah style of wrestling, they rely on that because they don't have the creativity to, to go the other way with it. And I think that's yeah. where I think that's where we lose people. And when you think about it in that time frame, if you excuse me, that time frame, if you think about it in that context that means one of two things to me. Either this person should not be in the business at all, because if you're not a creative person, the wrestling business is probably the worst place for you because you're just going to kill your body until eventually you're broken down and you're worth nothing. Or we should have it incumbent upon, upon the people in charge to give these people proper direction and to tell them, hey, those that 450 to, to the floor, that was great. Could you save that for a big show and do something else for me mm-hmm. that doesn't kill you? So it's kind of a two-fold deal. You've worked with me in the past. You know that as a promoter, I've yeah. cut people off from their spots a thousand times. Uh, I actually yes. have spot conversations in locker rooms. What are you doing? This, this, this. Don't do this because they're doing that. Do this instead. That type of deal. So we get yes. the flow of the whole show feeling a certain way. And I think more people need to take charge of that situation. But you in particular, you're an easy person, in my opinion, to book because you don't. Yes. Because you don't rely on the physical. There's so many guys who rely on just, here's the spot we're going to do here, here, here. You like to tell stories. So depending yes on no. where my audience is, it's a, you're a perfect piece to plug in right where I want to keep their attention for something else. Uh, if I want yes. a match or a performer to hook them so I can feed them into the next thing and so on and so forth, you're perfect for that because that's exactly what you've done pretty much throughout your entire fucking career here. And in doing so, you've been rewarded. Now, I'm going to pull the curtain back a second time here to go back to another conversation you and I have had. Because you started clicking. Jaden was doing his thing. He was moving. He was clicking. He was getting a reaction. And then a conversation came along. And, Lord and behold, Eric Jaden is about to become the heavyweight champion. And you called me on the phone, and you literally told me, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if I want the responsibility of this. Uh, Because much like me, you're an old school guy. You know what being the champion means and what it's supposed to mean to a company and to a roster. When you're the champion, it's on you. You're pulling this goddamn wagon. And I know, based on our conversations in the past, you feel very similar. But do you Mm -hmm. remember? Because you were saying you were like, Oh, this, this belt, you know, it's been through so many different hands. You got that belt after Steel Horse, and I mean, that belt had almost literally been dragged through the mud, and then here it comes to you, and you were like, well, yes. I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do with this, and I distinctly remember telling you, that's on you. You can, yeah. you can restore it, or you can continue to drag it through the mud. It's on you, but to be offered the opportunity to be the heavyweight champion of a company and to drag it. It's one of those kick yourself moments. You don't want to say no and then look down, look backwards, and say, "Shit, I had a chance and I gave it away." What was what were your thoughts when you were first told, "Okay, we're we're running with you now"?
1: Well, it's pretty much uh, like you said. I I, I I didn't want it. I I had a lot of you know I had a lot of reservations about it. You know, they said that you know you, you know were thinking about putting the belt on you, uh, but they didn't tell me when. That was the whole thing. They didn't tell me when. So I said, that's fine. And then I remember I had the conversation with you and you did, you put me straight. You told me that you got to take that title and it's you, what you make that title, the title doesn't make you. And that's exactly what I did. But when they first told me, I was just had so many reservations about it. I'm like, I don't know if I could do it. It came from that, you know, it was coming from a steel horse and then it came from a, 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 a worker that had it, but that worker really didn't do much with it. He just, you know, defended it every month and that was it. And I I said, this is going to be a lot of work. So when I had that conversation with you and you pretty much set me straight, you know, and to the, you know, and follow what plan, what plan to follow. Excuse me. I decided to say, you know what, if I don't, you know, if I don't take it upon myself to build this, then basically the opportunity they gave me is all for nothing. And then I further now take every Jaden where I am and I bring every Jaden down. So I said, "No way! I'm not going to do that." So I took the belt. I just went running with it, and time just passed by, and all of a sudden, I was champion for two years. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just going to say, I was and like, it would, "Wow!" And it would come yeah. on. It would go on to be one
0: of the most successful. It would go on to be the one yeah. of the most prestigious title runs that company has ever had, and they haven't had one like it. And that's yes, the sir. story. That's the. I could not have been more proud of you. Your entire career. Thank you. I think I told yeah. you when it was over, and, and and you passed the torch. I believe it was TJ. Was it TJ that? Uh, yeah, it was TJ. Yeah. It was yeah. TJ. You were passing the torch on to the next guy to take care of the company. I distinctly remember hitting you up and telling you if if it never happened again, if you never won another world title, that's the one. That's the run that you yeah. want. That's the that's the way you want to do it. The way that you conducted yourself, the way that you took every challenger and made him. Made him be creative. You didn't go yes. in there and say, okay, I'm going to take this from you and you'll take You said, what do you want to do? How do you want to make this? You tried to make every main event for the, for the heavyweight championship. And the, we're talking about BWF here. Uh, you tried mm-hmm. to make every single main event a WrestleMania main event. You, you went up there and said, yes, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to make these people fucking remember. By the time you got to TJ, cuz you had you were yeah. getting heat before you won the title. I think that's the reason why they wanted to put it on you. But but mm-hmm. for the two years was over when you got to TJ. These people were white fucking hot at you. Uh to uh, how how was that experience? I mean, you you couldn't get to the locker room without, like without getting verbally assaulted by people and that's just walking through. Uh what was what was the experience? What was the run like being the champion for BWF?
1: You know, it, it was a very learning, like good learning experience. Okay. Being the, my first time ever being a heavyweight champion for a company at that size, I learned a lot because remember BWF, it went through many different bookers at the time and sometimes matches you were there, you see, and we will go from an eight card match to a 12, 13, 14 card, you know, uh, match. And it, yeah. it put a lot of kind of stress on me to perform. Because I was the main event. So, after you have people sit there for like 9, 10, 11, 12 matches, then you got to see the main event. And that's why I really, really, really learned to gimmick Osini. Oh, I really did. I had to learn because everything was already done. All the moves were done prior to my match, you know, all the, the big yeah. stuff or spots or anything I could think about was already done. So, basically, what was left up to me is well, I have to now put a match together with my gimmick. And that's where I really learned to gimmick. I really learned to sell the gimmick. And that's why I had so much heat. And the heat was huge. I mean, huge. Huge. Even going into the main... Yeah, it was huge. Even going into the, to the program that I had with, um, with TJ. And when I found out I was dropping to TJ, I was actually you know, very relieved because I said two years. I was like, okay, I need a break. Because every Saturday, you know, first Saturday of the month was always, always, you know, compromised. That was, I always had to do BWF. And I remember we did the match. We did a three uh, store, three matches, the storyline. The third match was a lumberjack match. I remember I wanted you to watch it. And you said you watched it. And you said it had that big fight feel, which I was happy about. And I could always remember that once he put my, they pinned me. One, two, and three. The fans in that place were nuts because they finally, after two years Someone of me telling a story, of yes, <laughs> yeah, they were just relieved, like somebody beat this cocksucker, Eric Jaden, finally. Yeah. Thank the Lord. And it just it went over so big that it was great. It was timed, you know, it was perfectly timed out well, very well. And that story you Yacine, know, because he, yeah. you saw it. It was put yeah. on Facebook Live, and you said it had a big match feel. You had a whole bunch of wrestlers outside. It was old school. I cheated because TJ's a big man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How, you know, how do I physically beat a big man like that? Well, I had to cheat. So I cheated my ass off. We told a great story. And I'm telling you, I still remember to this day, one, two, three, and that place erupted, erupted. And it was about 200 plus people are down there. And I walked out of there, no longer the champion. I'm very happy that I learned and became much better person and worker because of it.
0: I remember I've had TJ on the yeah. show. I interviewed him as well. Uh, <laughs> and, and he may, he speaks of that night very highly. He speaks very highly of you as yes. well as a professional. And off, off air, I remember talking to him yes. in person uh, at the gym. And he, I, I was asking him about that match in particular because the, the most important part of that match, and if you're young in the business, listen to this part because it's important. If, if you spent two years with the belt and TJ had beaten you and it would have gotten a round of applause and, and it, it would have gotten a standing ovation for the big victory, you would have failed. Because after two yeah. years... If these people don't throw the babies in the air and, and, and the utensils out the window and fucking damn near burn that place down out of pure rejoice and happiness, then you failed as a heel. My biggest and proudest yeah. moment of that, entire mo- of that entire night was the pinfall. Because when TJ beat you, he went from mm-hmm. being the tall white boy in front of this Latino dominant audience to the guy. Mm-hmm. That was the yeah. first time I had ever felt where you had... You you made a star out of TJ, like uh, not not yeah. just in general in his career because he's been around, but in that building in front of an audience that was kind of wishy washy on him on the first place. He was a big guy, but he's you know he's a white guy in a pretty Latino heavy environment, and you're a very obnoxious guy, but you're still a Latino and everyone here knows that, and for them mm-hmm. to hate you, the Boricua, so yes. much. That when this pasty, tall, white dude came in and beat you, he was the new guy in that fucking building. They went berserk when you lost that fucking championship. And I was like, boom, there it is. Two years of hard work, and that's what he did. Because Mm -hmm. when you won the belt, you questioned the prestige of that belt. There was no question two years later how important that title was. And that belongs to you, my friend.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I, listen, and, then, and thank you to you, AJ, because you, you convinced me because I was, in the, I was <laughs> on the ropes. I was on the ropes on what I was going to yep. do. And I remember that conversation very vividly. And you were telling me, it's like, listen, you got, if you want to take it, you make it. You wow. make the title. That's I remember nice. those words you told me. The title doesn't make you, Eric. You know, You make the title. And then okay. when I decided to run with it.
0: And there you it know, is. it just it
1: was successful. And and that, there you go.
0: That championship, and and you lost that championship. Uh, we're talking maybe two years now, three years now. How long ago was that? When you uh, yeah, I came mad? back.
1: Yeah, I came back for a run. Uh, and this Anthony Cole was talking to TJ. TJ was you know in the promotion. Uh, after I had left, I I, I kind of needed a break uh, from. Uh, oh yeah. I figured after it, two years, yeah, after two years, yeah, I needed. I wanted to have a Saturday off and. um and I never did, actually. I just kept, just kept, I just kept running to another promotion. But uh, I needed a break. I needed them not to see Eric Gaten for a while. You know what I'm saying? So when I come back, it makes it more memorable when I come back. And then I end up coming back. I remember it was a collaboration between uh, Mr. Anthony Cole and, and TJ Marconi to bring in the Seth Sujin squad. Mm-hmm. And that was when we came back in. That was my second run with the World Heavyweight title at that time.
0: Yes, and that's where I was headed to next because you're you're clicking, you're moving, you're vibing. Here's Eric Jaden. He's Mm -hmm. he's this character. This is who he is. And and now he's got a a heavyweight title uh, run under his belt. You started to gain speed on your own. Talk to me about the conversation. When did the conversation start to do a group? Because I remember when Mm -hmm. you were with Bobby, your whole ideal was, I need to try on my own. Obviously, you had some success as a single but now talk to me about how how did your mind go back into group mode there?
1: Okay. So basically I remember one day I was actually uh, having a conversation with Mr. Anthony Cole on the phone about my gimmick, you know, just talk just shooting ideas back and forth and what, who can I face next? What type of opponents and what type of match we can have on there? And uh, being a BCW original, actually I'm the last one in that company. Uh, we 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 just we just had the idea. I said, hey, "What if I just a stable?" Because there was, you know, we had the PCA there. We had some, but what if we start something homegrown? You know, so we could build from a BCW original concept. And me and Mr. Cole, basically, again, we're big Dragon Ball Z fans. We're big anime fans, and we started thinking, you know, putting you know ideas together. And I said, "Hey, why don't we create a stable of fans?" Okay, that are who grew up here in the real world on earth in New York and we call ourselves the deadly Saiyan squad. And he absolutely loved it. He, he started laughing. He first gave me the laugh, which I knew yes. I got him. Got him.
0: He goes, and got he goes,
1: it. yeah, I got him. And he goes, this is great. So we, we started putting together and, and then he goes, who are we going to bring in? And he started big, he made me big, you know, main stars. I said, like, no, no, let's not bring in the name stars. Let's pick somebody. Let's bring people who are hung young and hungry and want to do something special. So at the time I remember they, uh, it was Dominic and uh, Chris Barden they were wrestling for DCW as the East Coast Syndicate. So I, I pitched them to them and I, Anthony said, "Damn, are you sure? I said yes, I can work with them. You know, He goes okay, no problem. And then we had also a guy named Rick Recon he had came down and did a show with us and he impressed me because I saw one of his promos and he has a Terminator type persona and he actually filmed a Terminator type Promo, which got my attention and i said wow i like this guy you know he's he's pushing the gimmick right. so when we sold the we sold the actual gimmick to them all three of them they all bought into it put it together and then we became the deadly same squad from there
0: nice those are the origins but you you <laughs> yes you've, you've since uh expanded you you you've yeah. got a mixed <laughs> mass of of I want to say ragtag because that gives the impression that these are lower tier performers when they're really not. You have uh, a gift when it comes to recognizing the strengths and weaknesses of the people around you. I think that's why you and I also clicked on a professional level because you and I yes. uh, once upon a time talked about running a promotion together as well. and that was one of the key things that we enjoyed doing the most. We loved the evaluating talent, you and I, because you and I can sit there. Yes. We can see a guy train for a few minutes, mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, yeah, all right. Well, I, I got him. I know exactly what he yep. can and can't do. And yeah, it's just it just, a matter cl- of, just clicks on us. Yeah, And, and but, uh, but my thought process is the same as you, where it says, okay, I, just, I yeah. understand what he can do, but uh, how, how do we get the most out of that? So you have uh-huh. you have other members you have a manager you have there's a female member there, There's so many yep. different assets who, who else are is a part of this group now
1: Well, the group evolved we were we were doing the saying gimmick we were pushing that of it was pretty successful uh, Fortunately, we started to get uh, emails inquiring about the saying name so we had you know we, we kind of ran into a cease and desist type of situation with Ooh, the same name. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, so we had to stop and again he, you know you know me or see me I have to evolve, I had to be thinking of the next, you know, the next, you know, the next product. And then from there we just started thinking, okay, so we're saints, we're assassins, you know what I'm saying? We're you know, we're for hire, you know, for hire men. What can we do from here on? And then we started thinking about the world of the martial arts and the world of ninjas and the world of assassins. And we figured we put that all together and we came up with Satsujin. Satsujin stands for murder in Japanese. Nice. And we are the Satsujin squad, the murder squad. And we ended up going with that. It uh, started and we said, how do we, how do we differ? Now we took out the visors, right? We don't have the same scouters no more. We don't have none of that saying, how do we, how are we Satsujin? And we, I remember our big, big, big day that we came out at Satsujin was one of the BCW anniversary shows where we paid tribute to the five deadly Venoms. I'm sure you you know that, that karate, uh, Kung Fu flick movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, we came out and we all had the five deadly Venom mask on and we paid tribute to them because they were, they were assassins like us. And that's the time it really clicked. That's that and name really clicked and that's how we kind of found our own identity. And I, you know, I'm old school like you. And I said, okay, how do I grow from here furthermore? And I say, well, the manager gimmicks, they're pretty much dead out there. I'm looking around for manager gimmicks. Nobody's really doing them. So I said, uh, well, I'm going to have a manager, but knowing me, you're seeing me, not one, but two managers <laughs> on this. So the only <laughs> faction that has two managers that Mark Schwann. Uh, he came, uh, to me, from legendary action wrestling. He was brought in by Frankie flow. Uh, he had sent Frankie flow some information. He's, a, he's an actual professional actor, uh, does very well doing that. And he wanted to, you know, dabble and get into the wrestling business. So I saw like you, like you say, when we see people, we see something. I saw something in Mark. So I brought him on, you know, I brought him on, uh, and we started working together And we clicked on great Naya, she came along. Also, and Anaya comes to us with vast, and i mean, talking like over 30 years of experience in the wrestling business. This woman has been in the ring with Sherry Martel. She's been, in the, you know, she's traveled the road with WWF, I'm not going to say E, WWF Legends. <laughs> she's worked territories. She's worked overseas. So she was one, she was, she was wrestling when women wrestling wasn't really that much of a big deal, you know, but, you know, she was, she was one of the, you know, ladies in there. She was trying to break through and she came along and she, you know, we she came, she added a great amount of wealth to the group. And here we are. You know, we're right now, uh, we have uh Dom and Chris who are the first ever BCW World Tag Team champions on there. Oh, we have Rick Recon right now, who is doing very well in BCW. He's going in as one of the entrants at the for the Grand Dragon tournament which is a tournament that's going to come very soon from BCW to crown the uh, the brand new grand dragon champion, which is a middle belt right under the the heavyweight title. And it's, I think, I mean, things are going well and, You know me, Rosini. I'm done. bad. I'm I'm like a mad scientist. I'm figuring out what to do next right now. Where we go from here? Where do we take Setsujin? And it's been a blessing, I have to say. Uh, A lot of people really grasp onto Setsujin, and I like factions. Factions always been a big deal to me. I think factions, if done right, okay. Obviously, they can win (laughs) events. You can build the talent through a faction, and I believe with Setsujin, Chris Dom. uh, and Rick have grown, you know, immensely because of Satsujin and the Dudley Fane squad being involved in that storyline.
0: Well, you can you. I mean, when you have that amount of people really uh, to be around and to feed off of, you, you can't mm-hmm. help but gain, so you, you can't help but get a little of it on you, so to speak, where you, you kind of yeah. pick up, you kind of pick up things here and there. I've gotten the chance to see Rick in person perform, uh, I've gotten the chance to see Dominic. I think I was there when Dominic won the uh, BWF Heavyweight Championship uh, yeah. as well. So uh, your 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 little I wouldn't call them students, but your your little members here are, are quite successful outside of the group as well. So you guys yeah. seem to be a well-oiled machine. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you got a chance to share some of that knowledge. I hope they've gotten a chance to see the neurotic Eric in the locker room that I have grown so accustomed to seeing. <laughs> they yes. have. Trust me I'm that. Cuz okay. <laughs> there's uh, you know a part of the responsibility of being the leader of something is not only the pats on the back, but to please don't do that shit ever again. So I'm sure yeah. I'm sure that you've rammed through a few of those over time throughout the course many of
1: Many of those. Many of those. <laughs> <laughs> many of those. You know, they're, they're great. I mean, what I love is that all three of them are young and hungry, and I see them being very successful down the line. My only thing is it's like, it's like having your kids almost, like, you know what I'm saying? You're, you try to teach them. They do bad. You know you, you, you know, you correct them. You know, you try to lead them to the good path. That's my whole goal yeah. is that down hit the with line the spray bottle no longer, every now and active then? wrestler.
0: You hit them with the spray bottle every now and then? No, down. Don't do that. Yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. And, and,
1: and Trust me, there's those moments where I have to call them individually or I have to group message them and tell them and say, what the fuck was this and why is this, that, and that. But you know what? Individually, they're they're, they're much better place. I've seen them. They're much better performers than they used to be. And I think that if they continue the way they're going to, even without obvious, hey, remember, and this is one thing I'm going to say right now. And if you need, you and you and you are going to agree with me 100% to be successful in this business, you don't have to be signed to anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. I always tell people this because I know you want to be in the WWE. That's everybody's goal, but that doesn't have to be everybody's goal. For me, if I never get signed to any big company, doesn't make my career any less, you know, right. of importance. Okay. I, I, I treasure my career. I'm happy. Okay. I always say to, the, to, to, to them, I said, concentrate on always making yourself better, being better performers, so the fans are happy. As long as they're happy, they're always going to come to you. You're going to make the money. You don't have to be signed. Okay? This, you, know, you don't have to be guiding. You might have your goals, but you don't have to be signed to be successful. There's plenty of wrestlers out there who have never been signed who you know, made tons of money. And hey, listen, even now, you know, they ended up having going into a, you know, uh, creating a professional wrestling company, AEW, but the Bucks were a perfect example of that. They were touring all over the world, making money. And they were never really particularly signed to anything, really only in Japan. So yeah. what I try and instill with them is that, please don't, you know, don't, don't, don't give up who you are. Don't give up don't, don't sacrifice always stay the course and always make sure that you built yourself, you built the gimmick, you built the product and the fans keep coming back. Yeah, we're starting to live in a
0: world. I mean, you and I, when we were growing up, when we were watching wrestling, especially being Northeast kids, it was always the dream. You know, one day I'd love to be in the WWF or WWE yeah. now. Like, that was always the deal, and you get so focused in on that being the goal, that being the, the overall achievement of the career, when at the same time, there are so many people in WWE right now that are trying to get the fuck out. Like, it's really like, it's yeah. really a changing of the times when you really think about it. There's a lot of people, and I think even the WWE to a degree is kind of shocked that we now live in a world where people are like, I don't really want to be here anymore. Well, where are you going to go? Mm-hmm. I will literally go anywhere. I don't want to fucking be yes. here anymore. It's so rigid now. And I don't know if it was always like this, but it's so rigid. It's so well kept. It's so, there's so many rules and so many regulations. There's so many don'ts, so few do's. They curb uh, any kind of enthusiasm or any kind of uh, intuition that you have as a performer. They want you to do what they want you to do at all times. It's not, I'm not saying that it shouldn't still be the goal because the money is there, but it's mm-hmm. becoming less and less of an attractive option for people who genuinely want to do this, the creative side of being a performer and getting in front of an audience and having the leeway to, to do whatever it is you want as a performer, with a few restrictions, obviously, for taste's sake, I guess. But for the freedom and the ability to perform at any level you wish, the way that you want to do it against as many talents as you wish to perform with, as opposed to being somehow independent and exclusive to the same company. Yeah. So yes. yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of different. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say, hey folks, if you want to be a WWE superstar, forget it, it's dumb. Hey, if that's your dream, that's your dream. But to your point, you can still be a successful yeah. performer without taking a check that has Vince McMahon's aim on it. There's a lot of different options yes. in the industry. Uh, what are some of those goals? What are some long term? This is where I want to be in X amount of years for Eric Jaden. I know you said you always want to evolve, but you know we mm-hmm. can't we can't take these bumps forever,
1: Eric. What is the end goal? No, here?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know that for a fact. Yes. What am I going to do? Uh, I I actually hopefully when I start stop the ing ring performance part, which I have a funny feeling it's coming very soon. Uh, I want to promote. Hopefully, I be get a chance to promote. A, you know, uh, my my company was used to have was King Pro Wrestling. And uh, I hope that I can get together, and I know you will be part of that. You know, on air, and I'll <laughs> yes. do some shows. And I don't need to be on, on air. air. Uh, I'm, pat-
0: I'm, I'm, I'm. I don't need to be on air. I, 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 I've gotten to a point in my career now where if I'm not in front of the yeah. camera, it's fine. I'm doing the manager deal, but if it, if this podcast mm-hmm. has taught me anything, uh, my value behind the scenes. Uh, There's so many things behind the curtain that I want to do. I, you've seen me perform a thousand times I can get a room in front of yeah, thousands yeah. of people And murder it every night I no longer have that I don't to say itch But that need to prove myself Because you and I when we first came up The whole deal is I want to get to a point Where when I walk into a locker room Everyone is assured I'm good at what I do you know what I mean? Like yes. that's the point mm-hmm. I wanted to get to. And just like you said a second ago, when people, you know, consider you the vet, they come to you for advice and they come to you for this and that. People do that to me as well. So I'm glad that I'm mm-hmm. at a point now where people are confident that if I'm the guy in the ring and I've got the mic, this is going to roll. So I don't, I don't have that insatiable need any longer to really be the guy who needs to be in control of anything. I'm, I, I'm also making some plans on the side, and I, I, mm-hmm. I'm so. I'm ready to help as many people as possible as I can behind. Because I feel like I can do more good for this industry behind it than in front of it. And in my opinion, the behind the scenes needs way more help than the front. I, I think, oh, no, I, think we need, I, I think we yeah. need more minds. We I, I personally believe we need Less people behind the scenes who are in control of shit who have no idea what they're doing and we need more people with experience who give a shit about the performers who are going out there and performing
1: Yeah, no, I, exactly and I mean and, and when I say you be part of it I definitely would have you in the back with me Right Aging matches, you know creative putting stuff together in that aspect and then I don't know i I I'll i guess I'll, I'll continue, you know I'll, I know I'm gonna have some part of uh, some my hand will be in some form or some part of wrestling uh, I still still write my wrestling column, uh, so I'm, I'm still, that's still active. Uh, where is that at? Talk, is talk, out, to me so. ab- talk to me about the column. Where, where can people find that? Oh, the column, yeah. Yeah, they can find that. The column is it's in the Rockaway section of the New York Times, and they have, a, they have a, a paper out here called the Rockaway Times on there, and I write a weekly column on pro wrestling, I, and it's gotten really good. I mean, uh, my mailbox right now, it's over 500 emails I get uh you know it's up to 500 excuse me of wrestling fans in basically in the rockaway howard beach area on here that you know they'll send email questions to me on there and i write the column i review shows i talk about the wrestling industry in general and the business and what's going on you know how it's affecting wrestlers or how how to become a wrestler stuff like that anything to do with pro wrestling i pretty much talk about it And i've been writing a column right now going on three months uh, especially through the pandemic, which was great because, you know, none of us were working at that time. And it kept me pretty much, you know, you know in the game, as to say, the pro wrestling. So I, I, I know that if I walk away from this receipt today, if I know today if I walk away and I hang up the boots, I am very happy that I was able to live the dream. I was, I'm very happy that I was able to be in the ring with guys that I grew up watching. And I'm really grateful. And I don't have to be signed like I tell other guys. I don't if I never get signed, I'll still be, you know, very happy and content with my career.
0: Well, that's good though. I'm glad that you I'm glad yeah. you got to a point where you are comfortable and you're working your best work right now and, and everything's going great. Yeah. I I have to yeah. uncork the bottle at this point. And yes, sir. I have to uncork and I have to let the beast loose. I wanna talk <laughs> to you a little bit about psychology. All right, we 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 got through the story of Eric. I love telling that story every time I meet people, but now I want to showcase the brain power. I want I want to showcase, I want to showcase you at your strength because one of the biggest Mm -hmm. the biggest things that I ever adapted from from you. This is me learning from you. You know, we learn from each other here. Is I always thought I was crazy about my obsessive need to keep as many old school values of this business instilled in me as humanly possible, because people are going to go out of their way to try to pull that shit out of you. They're going to try to get you to convert. They're going to try to get you to come on guys. Believe me, this is the way to go. Uh, But I, I always wanted to make sure I kept as old school as possible. There are many variations to psychology you know, it all depends on the situation of the match and who's in the match and what the styles are. So many variables. It's like, a, it's like an arithmetic just with the idea of fucking with people's heads. Let's start yeah. with you and yourself. You, what yeah. is, when you, when you have an opponent who's younger than you, who's going to listen to you, hey, I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I just want to look good. What's your approach? How would you explain to an opponent how to have an Eric Jaden match?
1: Ooh. well, like you said before, I am an easy worker because uh, I like the typical old school heel versus face type of match. Uh, and whenever I have those, you know, when I have the opportunity to face uh, a younger worker, uh, a lot of them will come up to me and say, hey, I'm so happy to work with you. What do you want to do? I, have been, I had those issues where I had a couple of workers which they wanted to do way too much. That was not in, like I would say, in my repertoire that I, you know, they just wanted to throw in a whole bunch of stuff and I told myself, unfortunately I don't do that kind of stuff, but I'll compromise and I'll do something else for you on there. So I've never been selfish. That's one thing. And a lot of the younger workers that work with me will tell you that. Because I worked out with Jaden and he's not selfish. When I go in I tell him the protest, I said, listen, we're gonna go out and we're gonna set the tone on there. And I said, you know, I try to feel the fans out. Mostly, I'm in the backstage, but I'm, you know, I'm that curtain jerker. I'm always looking out, and I'm trying to feel the fans. I see the size of the crowd, how many people, and if the fans are hot. And then I ask the matches before me, hey, how's the fans? How the fans react? Oh, they're going for this, and they're going for that. And I take that, and I go back, and I sit down with my opponent, a younger guy, and I say, hey, listen, we're going to start this. I want to get you. You're the baby face. I want to start getting you, you know, everybody, you know, Hating me and loving you. So we're going to go out and I'll tell them, I say, I'm going to just go out and start antagonizing the fans and I'll go up on the rope and I'll, you know, I'll say, yeah, and then you follow up and you say, yeah, and we'll go back and forth. And then I'll knock you and then I'll work heat on you. And then I totally tell them for me, I like to listen to the crowd. Okay. If the crowd is not reacting, I need to step it up. Okay. I need to do something to get them because in my match, if I have a five, seven, 10 minute match. I need to match the fans to be emotionally invested in a match all that time, not part of the time, but the entire time. So I don't need the fans to go cold. I need them to stay hot the whole time on there. Yeah. So I'll do Perkins something where me. if they say that fans are cold, I'll tell them, you know, stop punching me, stop coming to come back. So get the fans up, and then I cut them out. I'll cheat. I will use my manager, you know, as, as as a gimmick. And a lot of the guys who work matches with me, me. Believe it or not that was the first time they ever worked a match with that type of psychology. They were always used to so, working a match. So where just okay, You just get through spot. the choreography. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you do this spot, and I'm going to do this spot. Then you do this spot, and then you go this spot. And I'm like, no, there's no need for that. Where is, how does that make sense? Because some yeah. of them came up to me, hey, I want to do this. I'm like, it doesn't make sense if you do that. And then sometimes I get the, uh, the younger guys to want to get some of this shit in. And you know what? I'm not selfish. Yeah, I could take that for you. No, I cannot take that for you. Oh, so, no, we'll save that towards the last for a false finish. And that's how I post my matches with the younger guys. You have to really, you have to be, and I hate to say it, you, you, I don't, you don't have to be a dickhead, a lot of older and veteran guys are dick. You, you do this and fuck you. And I'm going to give you anything else. Right. I don't, I don't go that route because I can't tell a good story. If the person with me, is not cooperating. Okay. How do we tell a story if we're not in it together? How do we dance if we cannot dance together? So I'm very giving, and I go back and forth. I do give, you know, give of me a lot, you know, on there. And I know I'm the, a heel, and I'll sacrifice myself, you know, to put that guy over, so the fans have an enjoyable match. That's how, that's usually my approach with a younger guy.
0: There you go. See, now, yeah. now you <laughs> spoke earlier about working a legend and how it's different yes. than most people would assume. How different is mm-hmm. working the legend than what you just explained? Are they, are they just um, as giving, or are they a little bit more strict? It's like, hey, guys, this is what we're going to do.
1: Mhm. Yeah, no, they, listen, the legends, uh, and I'm going to tell the, all you younger workers, take note, when you work a legend or somebody who has much more time doing this than you, you basically introduce yourself, you shake the person's hand, and you say, hey, we're working together, what would you like to do? Okay, and I always approach all the legends like Santana or Duggan or whoever it might be, and I ask them what they like to do, okay, and what are they capable of doing and not doing on there. And a lot of times I'll get different answers. There's times where, I mean, I, I worked a program with Tito Santana, I worked him a couple of times, and I know, where he told me, he's listening, I don't want to bump at all today. I said, okay, so we don't bump at all on there. And we worked a strictly, I worked strictly old school, sh- you know, chicken shit heel, choke, you know, anything. He didn't take a bump at all because he wasn't feeling himself. I go and I'm led by the legend. I do not not tell the legend of what to do. They tell me what to do. And that's how we do it. That's why I've always been safe with them. That's why I continue to get booked to face legends because the promoter knows that I'm never going to hurt that person. I mean, I've gotten other gigs because I've worked legends and the legends actually say, hey, hey, you know that guy right there? That guy, Jaden, yeah, you can work him. It's good. And they switched the match around. They had a different opponent and they of also on the promoter comes to me say hey this, uh, Jerry Sachs wants to work with you Bruce DC wants to work with you because he just heard the Nasty Boys want to work with you because they love working with you or like that yeah. I built that reputation you never tell the legend what you're doing you do what they want yeah. to do and you what they capable of doing They're that's it. like
0: oh he's easy money baby we get in there we roll them yeah. up we get paid we get the hell yep. out of there <laughs>
1: And you had to hell out. I mean, how and you, and you, and you learn at the yeah. same time. And you don't even sacrifice nothing, basically. But unfortunately, Oshini, there's a dark side to things. There's some guys who just will never, ever work a legend because they don't understand that, no, you cannot go in there with this mindset, I need to get all my shit in. No. There's a respect level. Well, what You're a the, legend. You're yeah, not.
0: Yeah. One of the biggest yeah. uh, moments of heat I ever got in the locker room was I was told that a particular individual, and I won't name his name because I've been through the shitter with him a thousand times, but he knows who he is. Mm -hmm. I was told from third party, this guy's a great worker. So I was like, all right. So I was looking forward to seeing him perform. And then I saw him work. And I was like, this guy is is a shitty worker. He doesn't even know how to work at all. (laughs) And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, look at that. I I was sitting with the guy, with my buddy in my house. He showed it to me Mm -hmm. on YouTube. And I was like, that was horrendous. He was like, what are you talking about? I, you, you can too, I'm sure, when you watch it, I can tell when a guy is doing the choreography and is working. Okay, I, There's yeah. a distinct difference in movement because your body, if you already know where you're supposed to be before you get there, your body reacts that way. It knows that I'm supposed mm-hmm. to kick out here, roll left, kick up, here he comes, off the ropes, boom, Mexican bypass, we're doing the whole deal. Like I, You can tell. When you are doing what you just described, which is listening to the mm-hmm. audience, feeding off of the audience, here's what we're going to do next. You know, you take your time, you rest, hold, restart. There's different things. When you're, there's a different vibe of the match when you're calling it in the ring and then when you're just doing it. And this guy was bouncing around. He knew exactly where he was supposed to be. And the match, if you, if you, if you don't know what you're looking at, the match is dope because everything that happened was exciting. But I was like, as yes. a, I was like That's, he doesn't know how to work i like, that match no. was great. I said, well, granted, but he doesn't know how mm-hmm. to work. If I walked in, t- I told him, I asked him, and I told him straight up, I said, uh, let me test and see if this guy really can work. And I said, if I came in off the street, right, I'm a, I'm trained, I go into the building, I see that we're working each other on the card, right? We look at the sheet, Okay, yes. it's going to be the two of us. If I look at this guy and go, all right, cool, looking forward to meeting you later, and then fucking disappear. And then I come back just in time for my match. I don't say a fucking thing to him. I get dressed and I go in the ring and he goes in the ring. Will he have a fucking clue what to do in that match if I don't say nothing to him? And he just looked at me with his cloudy face. Then he cannot work. He can do the moves. Everybody can do the moves. Backyarders can do the moves. Can Mm -hmm. he work? (laughs) There's a difference. If you can't call it in the ring, if you can't because the whole point of training is to learn the universal skills of pro wrestling if I yeah. call we all have different words and jargon for things everybody's different based on the territory or area that you're from but it all means the same shit overall I think the best example I can ever tell people and you've experienced this yourself is working Bronco because I don't yes. speak Spanish Bronco mm-hmm. doesn't speak English we were the tag team champions <laughs> <laughs> because we spoke a universal language, we spoke the language of pro Ooh. wrestling. He's a big, jacked exactly. up, a big, jacked up dude who runs the show, and I was a slightly shorter, pudgier version of him. I knew what my role was. I'm the heat guy. <laughs> you know, I'm taking all the bumps, and he's gonna come in superhero style. So that's how we developed our matches. I usually tended to. Mm-hmm. I, I he would usually tend to start. I would come in. And I would bump around a little bit. I, I'd still do the babyface deal, but eventually that cut off would come up to me, right? So the two we'd go back and forth, and eventually I'd get cut off. I'd take all the heat. He'd do the whole deal with the audience or whatever. I build and build and build. There's the big hot tag. Superhero comes in, does his thing, and eventually clears house and wins. Very basic Hulk Hogan-y very formula. But when you're when there's a language barrier there, and you have two people who very rarely he can communicate in the ring. It it if you don't know how to work, that's a dead in the water. Mm-hmm. That's a dead in the water proposition. A lot of the stuff he yeah. communicated with me was very uh, physical. So it would be like he would grab a guy and he would tell me oh, he would point to his head and okay he wants headbutts bam. And if you don't know these things throughout the course of training and learning and in an actual school, you're fucking dead in the water. You're wasting your time. So anyone can do the choreography.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you know, and I'm so happy you said that. You mentioned Bronco because I mean, he's one of the guys I worked uh, a lot, and he would come up to me and say, "Okay, this is the finish," and that was it, you know. And uh, and we'll go out there and work. And the same thing with uh, with Frankie Flo from Legendary Action Wrestling. He would say, "Okay, cool, uh, I'm going over. Uh, we'll go with my finish, okay?" And he said, "We'll start off this way, and that's it. Everything from there on, it was all psychology based." You know, it was yeah. all called in the ring, and it all depended on how the fans were reacting. When, you know, when, you know, they were low and they were high and what we would do. And you're so right. That, that's, that, that's, unfortunately, that's a part of our business that's, that's been lost almost. Like, yeah, There's it a lot of schools don't teach that, how to call it in the ring. And then when you wrestle a lot of old school guys, you know, like I have, you know, we called it in the ring. We, you know, I, I you, know, you think Doug, when I wrestled Duggan, he told me spot move for move. No, we just started off. He said we will start off. Boom, You get heat on me. Okay, everything was cold in the ring. Boom, he comes back. Go to the finish. We're done. How did he that you call that? Did he did
0: he go with the three point stance
1: at one point? Yeah, he did.
0: I mean, How did he, he call that me, one? Because he, had,
1: he 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 oh he goes he goes he, goes, he told he, when when I'm you know when I'm selling for him he tells the rest you're know, told to go uh, we're going home. And that's when I knew to set up for the three point stance and take, uh, and take the bump for it. But let me tell you something. He, uh, he, wrestling Duggan was funny because he was one of the guys that I actually got tagged with. Because he has these. If you ever seen Duggan, you've seen him, of course. I've worked he, him. He never there. had regular hands. Yeah. No, he, he does enough. No, he has dancers. So one time he tagged me, and I'm telling you, I show stars like for the rest of the week. So because he just, just absolutely, you know, his eyesight was losing it. So he, he tagged me. But. He was one of the guys that uh, he said to me every single time I worked him, I worked a program with him. He said to me, he goes, thank you for taking care of the old man. But I knew what that meant. You know what I'm saying? I knew exactly what he was telling me. You know, thank you for giving me a a great match. And you took good care of me. And that's the way you do it. You know, I didn't go out there and I had no bad intents and I didn't have to get my shit in. I just listened to what he told me to do. And we had an awesome match and it went over. And again, unfortunately, that's a lost art. That I think yeah. that I, when I I hope that more schools would teach and uh, and allow their students to call matches in the ring. But that's very important. Because if you get if you if you're wrestling a match and the match is totally dead, and you've seen this before, Cini, the match yeah. is totally dead, and you continue just going through the motions. Well, then you just stunk the cold crowd, and you just stunk yourself out of the out of the whole building. You have to learn yeah. how to call an audible. And learn to feel the fans and feel their emotions, and well, that's what's important.
0: Well, not just entertainment. That shit will yeah. save your life. How many times? Yes. How many times have people gotten injured in a ring, uh, a leg or an arm or a concussion, and now it's like, well, scrap whatever it was you were rehearsing in the locker room. We're gonna have to call a major audible. Have you ever had a major injury in the ring and you just had to change it all up?
1: Yes, I did. I'd see, it was my match with uh, the current BCW Heavyweight Champion, Mr. Darius Carter, where we went into the ring, and uh, we, you know, we, we, we didn't call too much stuff. He, he actually likes to do his stuff in the, in the ring. We just called the beginning, the middle, and the end. And right off the bat, I, uh, he threw a kick at me and broke my forearm. And I had wrestled that entire match with a broken forearm. Nobody knew that, only the ref and him, uh, and uh, that's, you know, that threw the game off because, matter of fact, I'm, I'm in pain. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. trying to protect the arm as much as possible. I keep telling the ref, tell him to stay away from the right arm, tell him to stay the further away from the right arm. So basically everything that we had planned went out the window, and we just basically called everything in the ring. And so yes. that's a perfect example yeah. of an injury that changed the entire course of the match.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I yeah. was in a yeah. very yeah. similar situation. Uh, I was a dark mm-hmm. match. Uh, I was a, I was a match before the main show was even supposed to begin. It was one no. of the two. It was one of the two KW shows. So I uh, I, I was a, it was me, Nolan Avila, which you know who you know very well, and uh yes, I John uh John, I know him as John Alonzo, I forgot VI, uh, VIP. It was John Alonzo. Uh, okay. So he has okay. this move called bending reality, where it's kind of a it's a, it starts off at the neckbreaker position, but he pulls the guy forward so that he rolls through and it turns into a DDT. It's a beautiful fucking move. Completely unrealistic, mm-hmm. but it's a beautiful-looking move. And I want, <laughs> I I, just, I wanted him to do it the one time because it because we were under the agreement that he wouldn't be doing it a lot. But we wanted just the visual of it, you know, as a debut, because he was debuting. So we're like, we're okay. going to do this real big debut. He's going to hit the move. And he's a, We're going to do a three-way. He's going to be about bouncing around, and then he's going to hit me with it. I wanted to do the job for him. And he's going to hit me with it, boom, and it's going to be dope. We went all over it a thousand times. and da, 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 da. We get into the ring. Our, our match, I mean, dude, we're dark match. So, what, seven, eight, nine minutes at the most? Just get in there, bing, bang, boom, and yeah. get out. Get the crowd hot and, and get the fuck out. And first bump I took was dead smack in the center of that ring, and this was the old mm. ring when it was damn near boxing, uh, boxing ring, Doros. Oh man! And I yeah, took I a remember. neck bump from that and knocked me cuckoo. Now I have—I'm running the show, by the way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was just there in the
0: beginning to make sure, and crack right in the back of my head. Stars, reverb, just like in the movies. Everything is, everything. All of a sudden is warm and slow. So I was like, okay, that might have been concussion number three. I'm not entirely sure. But John picks me up for something else. And I was like, yeah, I need a minute. Toss me out. So he tosses me out. Him and Nolan do a fantastic job. I'm determined I'm going to take this fucking move anyway. So I start climbing my way back in. He gets me, and he grabs me, and I was like, go for it. And he's like, nah. And he just hit me with a regular DDT. And he beat me. So I give him credit. Uh, for not, you know, cause most guys, they, they will put themselves in front of the other and they're like, oh, let me see if I could pull this big move off. But he, he played it safe with me and he did a regular DDT and uh, we got the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. But I was nervous. Cause I was like, cause the whole time I'm like, I'm good. I have to take this fucking move. Cause I'm trying to make him. Yeah. I'm trying to make him. That was the whole point of me even putting on gear. Because I don't put on gear and wrestle matches on my own show. I did this specifically to get him over. So I really felt like I fucked him over on that one, even though it was an accident. But that's that's part of it. I think what saved me was the three-way aspect. If it would have been me and gotcha. him alone, that this whole thing would have been FUBAR. But luckily, Nolan was in there, and they've worked each other a thousand times. They don't even have to speak. They just go. I was the I was yeah. the wild card in that situation, so, and I, I didn't want Nolan to take yet another dark match loss, so that's where we wind up. But again, that goes to the point: if you don't know, if you don't know how to do this for real, <laughs> if yeah, you you exactly. can really get yourself hurt and you can really fuck yourself up. I I don't know how many matches I've seen, Eric, where people are it's like a multi man, mm-hmm. and two people are wrestling and the other ones are literally just standing there watching the match in the ring there's they're not (laughs) they're not emoting any kind of emotion they're just waiting for their spot to come up so then they can do what it was they practiced in the back and it just takes me right out and it's not even on the indie level anymore i'm seeing it on my tv set now oh don't go there don't go (laughs) there (laughs) i'm seeing i'm seeing it on my tv set now and i'm just like I, i i'm starting to get old man yells at cloud syndrome and i'm just i'm, mm-hmm. I'm done with multi man ladder matches i'm done with all the goofy hands in the pockets and all the different I, i'm i'm good i I, <laughs> I i come off a lot like a like a bitter old man but i mean is the art of psychology not just being lost on our level but on every level
1: yeah i believe so I think we're losing it because, you know, like if you start to see it, it first of all, when we would talk about it in the past or you heard it from old timers in the past, it was always at the indie level we heard it from. Now that we're like the veterans, right? Now we have the experience that we've been around for a while. Now we're seeing it not only from an indie level, a regional level. Now you're seeing it from a national, from companies with national, you know, cable television access. And that's ridiculous. And you're right. You're talking about guys with the hands in the pockets and the orange who's coming in the ring. And you got this or this and that. And how does that make sense in the world of professional wrestling when wrestling is supposed to be a match between two people? Okay? Yeah. Two people. Either good or bad or even bad and bad. Because okay? you could do that. Because when I faced Derek Carter, it wasn't a heel versus face. It was a gimmick versus gimmick match. And we pulled right. it off. Okay, it can be pulled off. You have two good guys face each other and you can pull it off the same as two bad guys pull it off. But when you're seeing guys now in, with national TV exposure, which me and you back then were killed for, okay, yeah. we were killed for to have that exposure and they're sitting there and they're just going through the motions and you know that they called that match in the back and just going through the motions with no psychology, no, not even selling of their gimmicks. It's sad. It's a sad state of affairs about business I don't right think now.
0: enough people are asking the question, why? Why am I doing this? Where, where are we going uh. after I do this? Like, like, I don't... Like, people think I hate Orange Cassidy. I actually don't hate Orange Cassidy. I just... I've, mm-hmm. The only reason why I don't like the gimmick is I was never told why this gimmick exists. Why is he putting okay, his hands in the gotcha. plastic why is he wearing the sunglasses mm-hmm. all the time why does he talk the way that he talked there was a buildup he didn't speak for forever and then he finally when he finally spoke against Jericho people were like oh mm-hmm. that, sh- that should have been a bigger moment than it was well it didn't ha- wasn't a bigger moment because you never built to it I don't know why he's a mute I don't know why he has his hands it, in his pockets I, <laughs> I don't know why he does anything that he does it was never explained it just a lot of these guys like especially for aew like they like WWE yeah. tries to tell you, but they tell you in shitty ways. AEW just assumes you know who this fucking person is. Like, who the fuck is Warhorse? You're right. I didn't know you, who Warhorse was. <laughs> I work in the Here, Indies. Listen. I did not know who Warhorse
1: was. Uh, <laughs> and he went out no, there blizzard. and put on
0: a longer match against Cody than Brody Lee did.
1: Yeah, I listen. I, 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 I listen. I, I, I agree with you. AEW has done a stinky job of telling the story of who's who and why they're there and do they want. Listen, like my uncle Corny, okay? Uncle Jimmy says and refers to my little dog pockets, okay? Orange <laughs> Cassidy, all right? My little we, dog me pockets. and you, me and you, Oshini, know a lot of the roster that's in AEW right now, okay? Yeah, like personal a personal yeah. friends. yeah. We're personal friends, yeah, with some of them, or oh, we know or oh, we have worked with them professionally in the past, okay? Here's the problem I have with AEW, a lot of it. I believe that some of the talent that's there to keep from the independence still has the independence mentality. When you have, when you're going to be giving 10, 15, 20 minutes of national cable TV access nationwide. Okay. And you're going to be seen and you're in a ring with a prof- another wrestler who's a professional coming from another company. Your act should be that much better. You should have the look, you should have the gear. You should have the presence. You should do something. I'll give you the perfect example of what I'm talking about when I saw Joy Janella versus Cody Rhodes. Okay? You looked at them and you said you already tell who was the professional and who wasn't. And that's sad to say that, Orsini, yeah. because you looked at Cody with a pair wear boots, tights. He was built. He had the tan. He looked like he belonged there and the other guy did not. And looked like Cody pretty much dragged him through the whole match, told him what to do. That's not a moment that you take and you lose from. That's a moment where you say, hey, oh, I'm going to face Cody Rhodes in two weeks. Man, I would have been hitting the gym every single day. I would have been tanning every single day. I would have bought the most expensive gear I could just because I had those 10, 15, 20 minutes of live television time. Mm-hmm. Okay? Live television time with all you young workers out there. Live television. That I means people's eyes are going to see you in real time. Yeah. And if you don't take advantage of that and you look indie, what's, what's, what, what, what's, what's the reason? So unfortunately, I, 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 AEW does not do a really good job in my eyes of turning these guys into bigger stars. They're not telling the story or they're not putting them in certain positions. Aaron Cassidy, I know he's the comedy relief, right? Yeah. And he fits in a match card somewhere, right? Yeah. But like you said, he just popped out of nowhere, and how do you tell the story of pockets? How do you tell why when he first spoke? You're right; he should have been a big hit, because he never spoke at all. Yeah, that Bill. So. Yeah, if yeah. you
0: followed him for all those years through IWTV and 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 all those uh, WrestleMania weekend runs that he had, if you followed him on the indie and then followed him in AEW, and and to those people that that time of him speaking meant so much because he never spoke it was a big deal yes. to them but that means he popped 20 people when he has an opportunity to pop 2 million and you know and you, you and you don't achieve that unless you tell the story i always get the vibe from these shows where the people who do get pushed and the people who do get the stories are the people who are really in charge of whether or not those stories even see television so i am always confused mm-hmm. as to whether is it nobody's pitching shit or they just, they're, they're signed, so they're happy to be there. Because I feel a lot of these guys, they get signed, and then they can go back to the Indy and go, well, I'm signed, so
1: obviously I'm going to get more money well, now when I
0: do these now. But right? that's
1: the story. But you're right, but you, you, you just spoke the truth. I feel that a lot of those guys are there, oh, we're signed, so now I'm worth the X amount of dollars, and if I go in, back to the Indies, I'm worth this amount month of money. Listen, right now, if AEW signed me right now, and I lingered in their card, doing nothing but AEW Dark or maybe having nothing to do with nothing, I would say, hey, give me, please, can you please give me the release? I don't care how many figures they were giving me because I'm not being properly used. If you're going to hire me, put me in somewhere. Okay? Put Eric Jaden in somewhere yeah, where he's going to be useful. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, I don't want to sit around and just say I was signed. No, oh, that's great. What does that mean nowadays? Like you said, you have people trying to run out of the WWE right now. Okay, so so what Running does that speedy, mean? That yeah. doesn't really have a lot of meaning right now. So I want to be signed. I want to be belt Eric Jaden yeah. in front of a national TV. I don't want two hundred people to pop. I'm gonna pop two million people. Yeah, and I don't want I don't want people to
0: take this information and think that I'm shitting on the people that's there. I think that it's no, incumbent no. I think that it's incumbent upon AEW because when they signed all of these indie guys, obviously they're indie guys, so they're not known everywhere. And I, yeah. I look. you look at the guys they signed, and they hired legit talent. But if you don't present them as legit talent, then they're not worth anything. They're, they're, exactly. they're not going to help you with your company. You're not going to help their career. They're just going to wind up going back in the indies. And I hate the idea, and maybe this is just me. This is just my mentality. If I got signed okay. to an AEW or an NXT or a WWE, my thought process would never be, well, if I end up going back to the Indies, at least I got signed and I can make more money. If I got signed to a company, Indies is not a fucking option for me ever a fucking game. I'm never going to do another fucking indie show as far <laughs> as I fucking live. This is why I always argue with fans <laughs> all the time when they're like, well, why don't you guys leave WWE and go back to what they were doing before? Because that's fucking stupid. If you used to work at McDonald's and you got seen by a Fortune 500 company for the brilliance and the genius you are and they hired you mm-hmm. and you went to that company and you worked hard and you became associate of the year and, and then you got caught up in some bullshit and you got fired or released because of it. Are you going back to McDonald's? No, never again. No, those doors are closed <laughs> to me fucking forever. What are you talking about? Yep. You don't go back to that. I know a lot of fans have a lot of tie to indie wrestling because it's indie wrestling that they love because they're a part of the show. They're right there. They're right at the rail. They can touch you. They can see you. They can smell you. WWE, they can't do that. You know, Impact, they can't do that. MLW, they can't do that. Ring of Honor, they can't do that. AEW, they can't do that. It's a TV product. Security's right there. Don't get too close. Da-da-da-da-da. It's indie wrestling they love because they feel like they're a part of it. So I understand why the indie fan has such a tie to these people it's the same fan that still calls kevin owens kevin steen or when they refer to cm Punk, they say Old phil you know and shit like that those are the same fans that do that but for us the workers the people who are supposed to be the non yeah. marks, you should never have it in your head well if mm-hmm. i ever go back to the indies never again that should never your sign your official you were seen by a multimillionaire, and that guy said, "You're talented as shit. I want to put you on my television show. You should never have the mentality exactly. ever again." That, well, I could always go back to those bars and those gymnasiums I was wrestling in before. It's just ridiculous. I never understood the mentality. Sad. I'm never going back.
1: Yeah, it's sad that some people. Yeah, it's sad that some that a lot of people think about that. Like I, I was Like I say, if, if AEW signed me and they used me. Yes, I'm going to build, make sure I get built as, as big as possible because i want to keep going on. But if I'm not used, hey, see you later. But I don't want to go backwards. So I'm going to keep going forward. And I, I never understood that, that mentality. Progress. Progress.
0: You have yeah. to, like you said earlier, you said it a few times, evolve. You have yeah. to evolve. You have to evolve.
1: Exactly. Yeah, do have to evolve. It's very important to keep your product fresh, and a lot of people don't know that. Hey, listen, it's it's even now. We know we could probably we probably know, and we could talk behind the scenes of pro wrestlers right now who are in the independent level who haven't evolved and they still look the same with the same gear and same everything.
0: Same music, same. You can set your watch to it. You're just like, all right, here we go. One more round.
1: Oh, Not good.
0: I've been involving myself as a as a manager now. I've got all the new things that I say and do, and da 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 da. I'm an evil son of a bitch now. So we'll see. <laughs> that was a, that was a change in a half for me. You've known me as a baby face my entire career. This whole heel turn yes. stuff, is it's its uh, something that I've always wanted to do, and now I'm getting the chance to do it. So that's an interesting turn of events. We all got to move on. Um, I'm all actually looking forward. forward. Yeah. I'm oh, looking forward to it. Oh, you see think, the I videos. Think. Did you see the last video I put out? with the? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I that's, did. I'm
1: actually looking very forward to seeing the evil... We're yeah,
0: one coming down the pike. I think I should be up by Monday. I got a few. I got a few all in, like a few videos in progress, all at the same time, because I'm trying to get it all together so I can start scheduling these things. Nice. I didn't expect the response I got from that video. That was huge. So. I'm motivated. Oh, because. it was
1: big. I know. You are. and I love it. I can't wait to see it.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. My brother was like, I've never seen you in promo mode, promo mode. I said, well, that was a voiceover. You haven't seen me in promo mode yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that fucking goes. Listen, Eric, there's a lot going on here yes. with, uh, with the pandemic, you know, with the whole yes. COVID deal. How, how have you been during all that? Has everything been okay with you? Has that affected you personally?
1: Yeah, fortunately, uh, I mean, uh, job wise, shoot wise, uh, I know, uh, like with the pandemic hit and it hit hard effectively, you know, financially, uh, lucky enough, I do have, you know, I have money that comes in. So I'm, I'm okay in that aspect of it. Uh, my health, uh, fortunately has not been good. Uh, I was recently diagnosed with stage one cancer. Uh, I had, they have found about four tumors in my body and, uh, it was, well, it's up to stage two. I have been doing, uh, I've been doing treatments uh, at the hospital, and I've been taking, you know, pills on it, uh, the same thing. They're going to do a surgery on me on September 28th, on Monday, to remove that tumor that is, uh, that is cancerous, and i are got to check the area. So uh, my health hasn't been there. Uh, I have my good days. I have my bad days. I never thought I would be in, in this stage in my life right now saying that I have what I have. I always took care of myself. I took care of my body. You know, I ate well and everything. I'm not known to be a you know a drinker or anything like that. I don't take drugs. I don't do anything like that in that aspect. I, I do smoke a pipe, and that's about it because I enjoy a pipe and a cigar. And me and you have, had had uh, had a good time over at Nat Sherman's in Midtown, which I hope we can yeah, do again. Yeah, Nat Sherman's,
0: man. Yeah, that, that was, that was, that's, uh, that's an experience that I would love to experience again, my friend.
1: Yeah, we, we're definitely gonna do it again uh, as the world opens up. Uh, so uh, I've been, you know, I've been, I've been low key. You know, I've been behind the scenes with certain, with certain, a couple of projects. You know, and then I've uh, just been keeping to myself, just trying to get over this. Uh, I have to be honest, this is very scary. You know, I am looking forward to this surgery. At the same time, I'm very nervous and scared. Uh, I, I haven't released this openly, so. I you know, yeah, I was just gonna say I was little. able
0: to navigate through ninety minutes of this without mentioning it, and then right here at the uh, yeah. we're at the go home, and all of a sudden you make the the big announcement well, well, see I have to you got me in a tough position in here because uh you know we were talking off the air about it, and you've got me a little mm-hmm. concerned here, but if there's anything we've learned in the last hour and forty minutes that we're at right now uh. You're a pretty tough son of a bitch, my friend. I don't think I don't think you, you feel like doing the J O B for this bitch ass cancer. Don't put that cancer kid yeah. over, fucker. He's all he's already buried a few people, man.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely don't want to do the job for it. And then I've been you know, I've been fighting, I have to be honest. Uh believe it or not, I actually had gain weight. Uh the, the last time I went to the doctors I was at two twenty eight. And the doctors, the doctors were there, like, how are you gaining weight? Just like they're looking at it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit you. But I've been, I've been keeping very positive. Uh, very I, I'll be, I would be lying to you if I wasn't I'm saying I was not scared. I'm very scared. I have a family, you know. I have kids, you know. And uh, if, if if things were take a turn to the worst, I have to, you know, I have to prepare for that. But I'm not ready to go, Oshini. I'm here. I'm for to fight. Yeah. I'm shouldn't fight. even be a thought yeah, process. to
0: you are one of the biggest assholes in the history of New York City wrestling. Assholes don't die young, my friend. You've got plenty of <laughs> You've got plenty of assholing to do. This is just a little bump in the road. It's a vacation for a minute. And then you'll be back on the road here. Is this um, yes. is this situation here the end of your career?
1: Um, hopefully not. I mean, it does mean that, you know, uh, I have to step away from the in ring. And I'll just do, you know, I'll do backstage stuff on there. So, but everything, everything right now pretty much leads to September 28th. After September 28th, I'll have more news on my health on my progress. Once they check the area out and everything, and they remove that, 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 that tumor from the area, then we'll be, you know, we'll be, I'll be in a better shape to, to determine how on there. But my goal is to once I get the clean bill of health is to just hit the, hit the, hit the, hit the gym, hit the training, hit it hard and get myself back to fighting weight and get out there and start entertaining the fans because that's what I love to do.
0: I can't wait to see it. Uh, I'm going to be a front row yeah. for that first match back, definitely without question. Um, I want to take the time, first of all, to thank you for your for your <clears throat> time because uh, I know that you, yeah, you could have been relaxing this last two hours at home. <laughs> but you've been out here shooting the shit with me. Uh, I appreciate your candor. I appreciate the fact that uh, this was the venue or the vehicle that you chose to get it all off your chest i appreciate that Mm -hmm. Uh, i guess that's a comfort level with me so i appreciate that yeah i tell you that Uh, thank you Mm -hmm. Uh, i wish you the best not just in your career but definitely in life and everything you got going on in the next week or two uh this is going to be a big Mm -hmm. few days from you please let's keep in touch with each other leading in because you know i'm a big cheerleader of yours uh, I fall yeah, yeah. off. I'm horrible with the phone. I take responsibility for that. Everyone knows I'm not good with the phone, but you know I, I mm-hmm. know for a fact that you're a very good friend of mine, and and you got a, some tough days coming up from you. So I want to be there for you, brother. So I'm going to be tuning in. I'm going to be chiming in. I'm going to be blowing you up yes, and uh, making sure That's that uh, <laughs> making sure that you got your head on straight. Enough of this talk yes. about not ready to go. Leave that shit alone. You're not going nowhere, fucker. you too much no, of an no asshole. nowhere. you too much <laughs> of an asshole. The city needs you. You need to be yeah, around <laughs> to show these young guys what to do, you fuck. Don't leave me with the bag alone. You need to sit here and deal with this shit that I'm shoveling too, God damn it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. I thank you for giving me this time to talk, and uh, and uh, yeah, I have that comfort level with you. That's why I'm glad. I'm glad I got it out. I mean, like I said, a lot of people don't know. Only a few know, yeah. uh, and you know, I'm like I said, I'm gonna fight Oshini, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm hell not going nowhere. You know, what yeah, Gonna fight. Well, if, oh, I'll if fight if you. Had, yeah, no, we have to. <laughs> me and you definitely have to have a match. Yeah. But I have to say is that you know, there's the people do do who do know what's going on now. A lot of people are gonna know. Uh, I want to thank them. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that do know and they stay in contact like you and they, uh, they've been very supportive, man. Cause like trust me, this has been a one scary trip for me and I don't wish this upon anybody, anybody. And it's, and I, and I, I appreciate the support.
0: All right, brother. Well, thank you for being sure. on the show. Thank you for uh, being the guest. And I want to thank you guys out there for listening as well. Uh, episode 158, Next week is going to be, if I'm not mistaken, let me pull it up. I think this is what I was scheduled to go live next week. Yes, I'm going to be live next week on the the Facebook. We're doing a live edition, my once-a-month live show, my takeovers, my pay-per-views now. Uh, So I'll be live next week. I'll be promoting that all week, so I'm glad I got this one in beforehand. Uh, This was a nice little bridge. So thank you, Eric, for being on the show. Thank you guys out there for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing. And, of course, thank you guys for enjoying episode 157.
1: 100 episodes now pay him. And make sure that you buy my husband's T-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash A-J-O-U-N. Please. He needs this. Listen
0: to my daddy's show. He's the best So I don't know.